Okay, before we get started today, I'd like to make a quick announcement. Over the last several years, I have spent a lot of time working with investors just like you. Investors who have started their business, got it off the ground, got a little bit of momentum, but just don't know how to scale up from there. They don't know how to take a small business doing a deal here and there and really systemize it and scale it up in a profitable way. I have been helping people for so many years do exactly that. I did it in my own business first, and then I helped other people replicate that success in their business. And my announcement to you is that I am ready to help you do the exact same thing right now. I have developed a program that's called the Seven Figure Investor Blueprint. And it's called that because I wanna take you from wherever you are in your business right now and help you ramp it up into a seven-figure profit business. You can do this. I know you've told yourself that you wanna do it. And for whatever reason, it's just not working out. But I wanna teach you things like how to market, to find the best deals, how to analyze those deals, how to negotiate with sellers and wholesalers to get the best possible deals how to get those deals funded, whether it's private funding, hard money lending, whatever. I wanna help you understand the best way for you to fund those deals, and then how to structure those deals for maximum profit. And then finally, how to build a team around you. You don't have to do everything in your business. And in fact, you shouldn't be doing everything. I don't do everything in my business and it runs really, really well. In fact, it runs better when I'm not trying to do everything. And I wanna teach you exactly how to do that. All you have to do, if this sounds interesting to you, if this sounds like something that you must do in 2022 to reach your goals, go to sevenfigureinvestor.com. That's the word seven, sevenfigureinvestor.com. Sign up. I want to help you this year achieve all of your business goals, but you have to go and sign up first. It's seven, the word seven, figureinvestor.com. I cannot wait to see you inside the program. We are going to do great things this year. I'm thankful for the people that are like, oh, there's nothing on the MLS and they're super dramatic about it because they're still, they're all out there. And I'm like, great. That's, that's great news. It's better for me. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now your host, Mike Simmons. All right. Thank you for joining me on the show today. I am excited to be here with you and excited to be interviewing a really good friend of mine named Tanya Rooney. I met her in the Seven Figure Flipping uh, Mastermind. Um, she started back, I think, in 2018, she said, and uh, just really hit it off pretty fast and became pretty good friends. And uh, she's a really smart investor and someone that I wanted to have on the show because not only is she a smart investor and uh, really knows her stuff, she's also a blast to talk to. And uh, I wanted to be able to have that fun here on the air with you guys uh, and, uh, and just have an interview that... Uh, um, frankly, I know the person and I, you know, it's comfortable and fun and, and I love talking to her. It's been a little while since I've spoken to her and I know she's doing some different things than she was doing the last time that we spoke. And I wanted to talk to her about that, you know, that 
that change in philosophy or that change in approach that she had in her business. And, uh, and frankly, I wanted to learn some stuff from her because I know that what she's doing now is what I want to start doing more of, and that's short-term rentals. So we got into that and had, had some good conversation about that and uh, a lot of stuff regarding business about just chasing goals and what's important to you and you know what isn't important to you and getting clear on that kind of stuff. It was awesome conversation and tons of fun and fair warning, a little goofing around, a couple swear words. So if you're if you have kids listening, I don't know, maybe this is the right one. It wasn't bad, but here and there, a couple. So uh, anyways, but it was a ton of fun. I think you're going to get a lot out of this one. So I give you my friend, Tanya Rooney. All right, Tanya, thanks for being on the show. Uh, this is going to be interesting. Here we go. <laughs> Agreed. Thanks for having me, Mike. <laughs> yeah, normally there's this like kind of formal, a little uncomfortable thing I do in the beginning where it's like, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate your time. And I do appreciate your time. However, we've known each other for years. Uh, nobody busts my chops more than you do. It's probably why I love you so much. And I just, I'm excited to have the conversation on the air. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited as well, and I agree. No <laughs> I formalness. <laughs> I can't wait to see how you talk to me when you know it's being recorded and then published. This is going to be great. Uh, I'll be a little bit kinder. Just a tiny, though. Not much. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the last things you said to me when we had a meetup that stuck with me, everything you say to me that's that's uh, critical sticks with me, and we have a story about Sorry. that. But, but uh, you said we were giving each other a hard time, and you go, well, what about... You said something like, you probably don't even remember this. You said like, well, what's with your hair? You, something like that. And I was like, wait, what? I think my hair looks good. And then you just moved on. You weren't even like, it wasn't even a thing. But I think we were just, we were, we were, we were attacking each other. And then you went for my hair. And I was like, what is wrong with my hair? Now I think about my hair more than I ever have. I can't imagine it was a comment about your hair. I do make comments about your cargo shorts. Oh, that's true. I do. <laughs> Every I'm time. A, I know. But but your hair is usually pretty on point. So if I said something, the likelihood is it was like off. Not necessarily like your hair in general. Yeah. It was probably just like something's going on with your hair. What's going on? All right. Because your hair and beard are usually on point. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> First of all, guys, if you're listening to this, I don't know, you could probably fast forward another five minutes. We'll probably be shooting the shit for five oh, more minutes. Uh, but I do want to say you're in the Midwest, right? You're in the great Minnesota. state of Minnesota. You're mm -hmm. Midwest. Don't people wear cargo shorts there? I guarantee they do. It's a Midwest thing. It's not like you're from San Diego. Where I actually all... think cargo shorts, people wear them all over the world. <laughs> I just don't personally love them. <laughs> I, I literally... Why do you have to carry so much stuff, Mike? Like you have a wallet and that's it. Like you probably don't even have keys that you carry in your pocket. <laughs> I don't. I don't even have a wallet. But the cra I, I don't really need it. Honestly, I don't need I don't need all those pockets. Here's the thing, oh. though. I used to not own shorts that were not cargo shorts. Now, I have cut it down to I only have 50% of my shorts are cargo shorts. I have bought shorts and changed my wardrobe specifically because of the ribbing that you've given me. Yes. Yeah. You're welcome to that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, she likes you the way you are. Though. I'm sure. I'm sure. She loves it. cargo shorts. She finds them very attractive. I'm going to go with she loves you, Mike. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I got to tell this story to give some context. All right. So Tanya, I met Tanya in the seven-figure flipping mastermind. She was in what we call the runway group, which was for newbies. And 
I was doing like a coaching call, like a group call or something. I don't even know exactly what we were doing, but it was like a group coaching call. It was you, but here's the important thing to know for everyone. It was Tanya and nine other people probably on the on this call. All of them, most of them didn't know each other very well. I didn't know Tanya at all. She was just a newish my member. First call, first call first she'd call. ever been on. She looks very sweet and innocent. And so I wasn't expecting anything. However, I do a podcast, obviously. And I had on my microphone, which you notice I don't have anymore, I had what's called a microphone flag. A microphone flag is, you can hold it up. I know you got it. A microphone flag, for those of you just listening, is if you're ever watching TV and there's like a reporter, you know, on the scene reporter for NBC or whatever, they have their microphone. And then there's like this little plastic square that's on their microphone that says NBC on it. <clears throat> that's a microphone flag. So I had one on my microphone because I'm a podcaster and I felt like that was important. But mine had my face on it. And so we're sitting here in this group coaching call where we're all talking about real estate. We're relatively serious conversation. And Tanya just noticed my picture on there and immediately said something to the effect of, hold on, wait a minute. Is that your face on your microphone? And I was like, no, I, A, who is this person, by the way, who's calling me out while I'm trying to teach something here? And it was, it was hilarious. And I removed it immediately. After the, after the call, I didn't do it right in the call, but I removed it and never went back to having my face on that thing again. And I don't even have one now. It's mostly because of how insecure you made me feel. So thank I you. didn't mean to, but it was kind of strange to see your face two inches from your face. And that was 100% what it said. Was, Is that your face? Like just yeah. a couple inches away from your own face? And I did notice that the next time he never had it again. And then he so gently gifted it to me yeah. and it's one of my favorite things. So if you're watching this on whatever you're watching it on, she just held it up. It is literally my face that was two inches from my face. I just couldn't believe anyone sure? had the, I don't know what the word is. I, I don't know. To, to call someone <laughs> out. It was awesome. But I will say, oddly, it made me like you more. And it mm -hmm. I, I am strangely attracted to people who give me crap. So yep. I'm very attracted to you as a friend <laughs> because no one gives me more crap than you. <laughs> no, probably not. I like my cheeks hurt when I see you. I'm just like, yes, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> yeah, I know. We always have a blast. All right, guys, I, I'll, this is fun for me and for you, but maybe everyone else is bored. So probably. when I met you, you were working full time. You had a job and you were getting into real estate. How, how, how much into real estate were you prior to joining the mastermind? Like, had you so done anything? I was uh, six months in. I had already done one flip and I think we were on flip number two. Okay. But caveat, I was in real estate for seven or eight years at that point, just in commercial real estate. Got it. Kind of didn't realize that that was a really real estate kind of job. Yeah. So I had a background in real estate and just kind of didn't know it. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 You worked like a, you were like a project manager maybe. Is that what it was? Yeah. For a, yep. kind of a big uh, commercial fund. Okay. That's Got it. Um, all right. So you were relatively new and then I, I will like, we could talk for hours about this, I'm sure. But at some point you grew your business to the point where you could leave your job. How did you make that decision? What had to happen for you to leave your job? Um, I had to join a community of like-minded individuals and mm -hmm. my community happened to be seven figure flipping and wholesaling the group. Um, and I say that because they probably gave me, 
I am definitely a person that needs permission to do things, even though I know it's right in my heart or whatever it is. Like I tend to need other people's support to do stuff like that. So I would say my biggest thing was joining another group of people that were doing stuff like that, getting a path, like literally a little like roadway with little lights on it to say, this is how you could do this. And um, that gave me the comfort. And most importantly, it gave my husband the comfort Mm. that, um, you know, he's the one who encouraged me to, yep, go ahead and quit. Like, these are the reasons we're going to be okay. And um, yeah, fast forward. So I guess I joined in, so that 2018-ish or something, I think I joined Seven Figure Flipping. And then um, that was in June. And I quit in February or March. Actually, I think my boss talked me into like an extra month and a half. So probably April of uh, 2019. So I know (laughs) that, so joining the group and having that, that, you know, people surrounding you and that support and all that made a difference. I get it. What, what though, like, um, what actually had, what kind of a business did you need to have in order to quit? Like, can you give at that time, give me, give everyone a sense of like, what, what kind of volume, like what kind of income did you create? Like, what did your business look like when you said, this is it? I'm, or, you know, you guys both said, this is it, I'm out. Um, so we were doing consistent flips. Um, I don't, no, I guess. So my first year I did one, my second year, I think I did three. So that was the year I joined the group. Mm-hmm. And then the next year I did 11 okay. or so. So I, I knew I was, it was mainly about like, it wasn't an amount of money. It was about knowing that, oh, wow, I have these skills that nobody can take away from me. I have my skills that I'm quitting my job from and my skills of flipping houses. Yeah. Um, I can figure this out. Like, as in, I can, I already know I can make money. Like if all of a sudden we say, oh, I, we need $10,000. I, I actually know the path just to quick make $10,000. So um, in a way, like I had a team, it was me and one other person. And then my husband helped when he could, (laughs) which was was still pretty often. We had tons of contractors and things like that as well. Uh, But I just had the one person, I think when I quit and I was um, starting to hire like an acquisitions person, I think I hired an acquisitions person after I got back from that specific meeting because it happened in February that we made that decision. Um, So yeah, it wasn't necessarily, it was kind of like a burn the bridges, but I didn't burn the bridges because I still talked to my director from CBRE. Like, again, it was all to to me, looking back on it, it was definitely a mindset thing. It's like, it's this shift that you have to have that you're like, oh yeah, this is the reason it's going to, everything's going to be okay. I didn't burn my bridges. If I really need to go back and be a CBRE project manager, I can. (laughs) Yeah. I I do think it has a lot, like you can always find reasons to not go full time and to like go for it. And you can always find reasons like to do it or not to do it. It's you're right. It's total mindset. It's like, which, which set of excuses do you want to, you know, put your horse behind, so to speak. I don't even know if that's the thing. Do you put your horse behind something? Yeah, know. you don't do that. It's okay. Put you it flop. Front it's typically, fine. but anyway. I know what you mean. <laughs> Thank you for that. Um <laughs> this is where I this is where interviewing you is nice because I think you might have given me a lot more crap for saying something stupid if we were just sitting somewhere in a bar. Um but not <laughs> you could totally find reasons to do it or not do it, right? So when you did that, you were flipping houses like eleven or whatever that year. Um, where did you go from there? What did, what did your first year free from your job look like? Um, it was just, it was those 11 houses. So, um, it was flipping, we did some flips, some wholesales, um, 
I don't think we did a wholesale until 2021. So it was just mainly working on flips and getting them off market. So doing that process, um, I've always done a lot of um, MLS deals. So lots okay. of, you know, networking with a couple of different real estate agents consistently. It was building the systems and then making like trying to figure out how to be a business owner. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's is, interesting. Cause that's, yeah, I mean, because the market was pretty good back then then too. Like, how were you finding, how were you getting deals? I didn't even know this about you. I didn't realize you were getting deals on the MLS. Like, how were you finding deals on the MLS where most people would say there's nothing on the MLS? Everything's too high priced. I'm thankful for the people that are like, oh, there's nothing on the MLS. And they're super dramatic about it because they're still, <laughs> they're all out there. And I'm like, great. That's that's great news. It's better for me. So um, yeah. I, it was all about the partners that I had. So I call anybody that I work with a partner because that's what they are. Sure. Like they're contractor partners or vendor partners. They're real estate partners uh, because truly you need to start treating everybody in your business like that. Like it's yeah. not just a plumber. He is the plumber partner that you're going to use to make you successful. Right. Um, so I happen to have some amazing real estate partners, like real estate agent partners. Um, I happened to find a gal that was also a flipper, but um, they only flip one at a time and they flip, you know, every other year or so. So I found one that she was always hungry for her next deal, but she was never really buying. <laughs> and it's just because she had, and then she, she built up her business actually, like she's a really good real estate agent still. And she built it around being an investor friendly real estate agent. So, um, mine was all about those people. Like even to this day, like my best deal last year was an owner finance deal that a real estate agent found for me. He didn't do the deal himself. He found it for me. He's amazing. He likes to hustle. And he's like, Tanya, like, I don't really want to do this deal. Do you, do you want to? Um, so it's all about that person that actually helps. Like there's still numbers out there. Like I bought a couple off the MLS last year still, and we kept some and I knew we were going to keep them. So we, we were able to buy a little bit higher because we were keeping them for short-term rentals. Yeah. And I knew that like, this is great. Uh, the other thing was like, this house was never like this one specifically was never going to uh, pass an FHA inspection. Like it had mm. a rickety back pool in the backyard yeah. that needed to come down and a, and a two car garage that was like, seriously, if I would have just pushed on it, it probably would have fallen down. Um, so because of that, I come in as a flipper with hard money, which is essentially cash or I just come in with cash or someone else's cash. Yeah. And yeah, they magically chose mine and I was $30,000 under the highest bid. Wow. And it's because whatever that mindset of that realtor that was helping that seller, they decided that it wasn't going to be worth anything else. And they yeah. decided that that's, that's was their path. That's awesome. So, you know, we get to win because of things like that. <laughs> Are you still flipping or have you stopped flipping? I don't have any projects right now. I've mostly stopped flipping. Um, okay. We're trying to just amass properties to short-term rental. So totally right. shifted my focus. Like there's still a flipping element to it. And it's mainly because if we acquire anything new, rent something new or buy something new, we're still going to put in new countertops and do yeah. the things that we're going to do. I know it to. feels like a flip, right? When you're buying them off market and they need work, you're just not actually going through the final yeah. flip part of it. Yeah. I just don't want a $70,000 flip anymore. Like I actually have a list that I created when I was at flip backing live last year and yeah. said, this is very specifically what I feel comfortable with doing. It doesn't stress me out. It doesn't make me angry to do these certain pieces of scope. Um, and this is how much that I'll spend. Uh, so now I just use that in my buy box. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. You know, by the way, I just heard something. I interviewed someone literally early to earlier today. Have you ever heard of noise aware? Are you aware of that? product. Mm -hmm. is, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard of. I didn't know that that would even exist. And I'm like, what? 
You can yeah. get alerted when people are being too noisy in your short-term rentals. Yeah. And sometimes you have to do stuff like that because you don't want to have parties or maybe you have a yeah. neighbor that's going to keep calling you in. Yeah. And uh, because of Airbnb in general, some people are really against it. So you have to kind of tread lightly on because um, some people will go to city council meetings and literally, I mean, it happened in my city. Like somebody was mad about a party and now short-term rentals can't happen in my city anymore. Like literally because of, you know, the wrong neighbor. So wow. you just have to be really careful. So yeah, you want to, you can do things like that. I actually don't use those, but it doesn't mean I shouldn't. That's cool. All right. Let's dig, let's get into it because I, I'm selfish sometimes on this show and I, I'm getting into short-term rentals with my daughter. I talked to you when, before we went live here. Um, mm -hmm. What did you say when I said I'm going to be selfish? What did you just say? Um, go ahead. I don't know. Oh, I've I thought you said gotten... something mean. You got the look on your probably. face like you made a joke at my expense. So I probably did in my head, but I didn't need to tell it to you. So, <laughs> um, so I want to know how you're doing this. And I know uh, I'll probably be talking to you in the near future about getting mine set up. But why... Why short-term rentals as opposed to flips? You just said you're not into a $70,000 flip. And I'm sure you just sort of set it and, and moved on. I'm sure some people are going, wait, 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 wait. Why is she not interested in a $70,000 flip? Why not flipping? Why do, Why are you moving kind of away from that and into short-term rentals? Um, so I think about all the guys that I've hung out with, guys and gals, in seven-figure flipping. And um, all the, you know, every now and again, you'll hear a comment like, you don't see old flippers. And it's because having a flipping company for a long, long, like 10, 20, 30 years. Like, I don't know anybody doing it. That doesn't mean anything. Everybody can break the mold. So you could totally do that if that's true into. I personally get really stressed and a little more angry than I would need to with flips. Like I'm mad at a plumber, but then my husband finds out I'm mad at a plumber by me being pissy with him. And I think that's so stupid. So I think it took me a while to get to that point. But now I realized, um, like for my mental health or my family health, I was just like, this is stressing me out more than I need it to. I really like commercial construction and commercial project management. Uh, but residential is just a little bit different for me. So um, last year, Actually, it was like a year and a half ago that we had a house. We had a really big house. It's a five bedroom, three bath. And that was our first short-term rental. Mm. It wasn't selling for what we wanted, wanted it to sell for. Like we probably could have gotten it within six months or so of that price. Like I wanted 300 or 325 and we just couldn't get it. So we decided um, with the help of somebody in my mastermind, because that's what communities are all about. They kind of say, oh, hey, have you thought about doing this? So uh, Jeremiah actually told me, hey, why don't you... You run the numbers for Airbnb. Like that's a big house. You might be able to make some really good money on it. So um, we ran it together and he said, Hey, like, even if you make half of this, you're still going to do okay. So uh, we decided to dive into short-term rental owning, mm -hmm. um, furnished it, did all the good things. And now we're like a year and a half in or so, I think. And um, we have three more, which is cool. But um, it was mainly because it just kind of lends more to my personality. Like, I really, really like to travel. So the idea of hosting people that also like to travel and accommodating them the way I like to be accommodated when I'm out of the country, out of the yeah. state, um, like making sure everything is stocked appropriately, giving them really good suggestions on what cool things there are in the Twin Cities. Yeah. Even though it's cold, people still come here. So it just, it mainly was about my personality as well with this. I know that I wanted to buy and hold. Like everybody that gets into real estate has a goal of buying and holding. It might not be in your first two years, but I 100% guarantee you will realize at some point in your journey, why did I give away all of this money? Because it's equity and you need yeah. it for later. Yeah. And um, I understand 
why we flip and wholesale. We need that. A lot of people flip and wholesale just so they can keep some or like to feed their short-term rental business or to feed their long-term rental business. Yeah. So I think it was just more the realization, like I need to stop getting rid of things. So then we just kind of changed how we bought and what we bought and where we bought and realized, oh, like this is long-term wealth that I'm looking for. And I get some really good cash flow because I'm really into cash flow right now. I'd like to pay everything off, not my houses. I'd like to pay all the other things off though. And then, and then just kind of keep going with this. Like, again, it's really good for my personality. I love customer service. I love hosting. It's been a really fun thing. So, so how was that first house doing that five bedroom? Is it like, do you have any idea like high level basic numbers? Do you know? Yeah. So we grossed uh, 55,000 on it last okay. year. Okay. Um, so it's, it's one full year. Um, there were two or three months we actually lost money, but then um, I got smarter and smarter and people wanted to come to Minnesota because it was summertime <laughs> Yeah. right now is a little tough because you know, it's negative 10 here and people don't want to come here, Yeah. but they still do. Um, so we just kind of realized like how, what we could do. Like I've learned more and more by getting into short-term rental communities and realizing, oh, we're pricing, like there's strategies for pricing, there's algorithms for pricing, there's all these things. So once we realize that we gain some momentum and this year we're going to, I expect we'll do at least 25% better because I know how to price now. Yeah. I know how to make sure it gets booked out. Um, so yeah, 55,000. And that means we probably, we probably netted around 20 to 28. Like okay. I know that's a big gap, but yeah, still. But half, basically 50%. Net. Yeah. Okay. And I might spend like, uh, man, like on one property, I might spend a half hour a week and let's say, but through the month, it's probably six hours Yeah. because really there's always going to be one situation. I'm like, oh shoot, I have to deal with this. Like yeah. somebody missed a clean or somebody has to check in or, or door handle <laughs> breaks. It's bad because they're really close to me. But yeah. So are you still finding these houses on the MLS? Is that the main source? So one of them was, um, off market. One of them was an MLS. One of them was a wholesaler. And the other one was a realtor that just hustled for me. It wasn't okay. on the market, but he found it for me anyways. <laughs> so what is the plan? Like how, how many do you want? Or are you just like, we're just going to keep buying them until we feel like stopping? Or do you have like a number? No, I totally have a number. Okay. Like I would like 10 to 15 of them. 20 is probably max, but that's like my mentality right now. It could change. Yeah. I really just have a number. Like I, I want 15 to $25,000 a month coming in um, active passive. I'm totally fine with being in this part of the business. And then me and my husband can do whatever the heck we want. Like, right. and I don't really want to be a billionaire. I mean, it'd be neat, but it's really not something I'm striving for. Like I've also realized that the last few years is that being around those people uh, is amazing. These people, like some of these people that I've hung out with, like they have such big goals and they just totally put their head down and go. Yeah. I'm not one of those people. Like it's just totally yeah. not my thing. I would rather help some people here and there. And then I want to go to my goddaughter's birthday party or her hockey game or whatever. Like we don't have any kids. So we hang out with other people's kids. I want to yeah. go hang out with my friends way more than I want to work, you know, 80 hours of business. That's yeah. it's just not my thing. <laughs> I love it. So you, you call it active passive um, because you're spending, like you said, on average half an hour per, for, per property. You're doing it yourself. Is Why not? And I'm sort of asking questions that I think I know the answer to, but why not just, why not use a manager, property manager, whatever, like a short-term rental manager? And then you don't have to um, do anything. 
they charge a lot of money and it's totally fine because some people are just like, Hey, I've got this $300,000. I want to stick it into a house and I want to not worry about it. And I want to worry about it maybe in five years. Um, That is completely fine. But property managers, like a really good one for short-term rental should be charging you anywhere from 20 to 35% and 20 to 35% is going to be on the gross And that means like, I mean, so if we have, so let's take an average month for us is probably like a 5,000 or $6,000 month. Well, our break-even point is 3,500. So if you imagine like paying somebody on the 6,000, five or Mm, 6,000, not the 3,500 or not, not just your profits, um, that's not worth it. And it's worth my time because I like it. Like eventually I'll have an assistant that will probably do more than I do, but the amount that I do have to do just, it just, I'm always going to work. Like there's never going to be a retired Tanya. It's just really not a thing that's going to (laughs) happen. So I just figured, well, this is something I enjoy. I get really excited when people ask me like, Hey, where should we go get burgers in the twin cities? Well, oh my gosh, you're in luck. I know seven places that are absolutely amazing. Like that's just, I are like you getting doing those it, kind so. of texts like, hey, where can I go find a good burger? Like, do people text you that while they're there? Or they do you like give uh, them a they'll sheet? Message, they'll message through the app, but I do. I actually have like the Twin Cities Best is actually on my website for my properties. Yeah. So they can actually do that. But people do still ask some questions like, hey, we um we happen to have Prince's house, like Paisley Park, like which is a big thing. People will start like asking me questions about like very specific places. Yeah. Um, so anytime somebody asks me a question, I do put it into my guidebook or my guide website. So that's how we learn. But yeah, people definitely ask questions. And I don't mind it because again, it takes me, I don't know, like 25 seconds. Yeah to put together something and then you automate everything that's everything else. Right. Like, right. Yeah, so, most of it automated. I, I've talked to people like you referenced some folks, obviously that I know um, we have a friend, Terry, who's doing this. Um, Tyler, um, you said Jeremiah. Jeremiah um, mm-hmm. Anyways, a lot, a lot of people. Of yeah. So, but I've talked to all those guys too. And all of them have a different model, like a different philosophy. Some of them are like, Low cost houses, low cost furniture, like turn and burn. Get them in there, get it going, try to crank out a certain minimum and like go on to the next one. And some people are like doing millions and millions of dollar houses. They're building them with bowling alleys and all this stuff. How do you decide? Like what what kind of houses are you looking for and what are you doing to them to make them, you know, fun to be in? I think that's probably the coolest part about real estate, like all around. Like anytime someone will ask me about that, I tell them real estate is super cool because everybody has their own opinion. You can go up to a house, whether you're going to flip it, wholesale it, wholesale it, keep it, rent it, long-term, short-term, midterm, doesn't matter. Everybody has like their own thing, which is the coolest part is like you get to like decide. There's literally no wrong way to do right. any of this. So I know the people that turn and burn, they're by college students or whatever, and they just want college students to come crash. They don't care if they get crap on the couch. They don't care if they play beer pong at the kitchen table. Doesn't freaking matter. Just get them in there because they want cash flow. Um, And then there's the fancy people that it is like, you know, a thousand bucks a night, 2,500 bucks a night. And you're going to make sure that there's a lot of amenities and there is no hair anywhere on any floor, any (laughs) surface everywhere. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like a middle of the road one. Um, I want to be located in good spots and mainly it's um, just within proximity. Like I have a couple in the twin cities, one's right next to a college, one's 
not really next to anything. It's next to a road with all kinds of mansions, but it's really conveniently located like to the Mall of America. Like we've got stuff going on in the Twin Cities. So we're just a convenient space. Um, I prefer big houses and it's because um, I'm a girl's trip girl and I'm a bachelorette party girl. Like these are the things that really, like I, I find to be fun, which probably doesn't surprise you, Simmons, because I like people. I love that you're a bachelorette party girl. I've never so heard of that niche oh my specific, God. like you're, if it's I a bachelorette it. party, you're just in. I've been invited to people's bachelorette parties that I don't even really know <laughs> because hilarious. I have so much fun. Like they're so, they're, they're a blast. Like I've probably <laughs> been in like 10 or 12 weddings in my life and that means 10 or 12 bachelorette parties. Wow. And then there's also offshoots of all of that. Like it's so fun. So <laughs> I like the reason I even bring any of that up is because that's the kind of person I am and I like. So I like to accommodate those kinds of people. Like we go on a girls weekend up North on a lake. Um, we need space for 10 or 12 people. There's not a ton of houses like that. There are, but they might be $800 a night, which on a girl's weekend, when you're just trying to get away from your kids or your husband or yeah. whatever at home, you, you're not going to go up there and spend that much. But, um, yeah, so I like to accommodate those kinds of people. So the bigger houses, like I love, like I want a space for people to congregate and make super fun memories. And, you know, they might go bar hopping. They might go from an amazing dinner. They might go get massages. They might just go hiking. I don't know what it is. I don't care. Just come to my house and hang out. Yeah, <laughs> and, awesome. uh, yeah. So it, it's, it's all about like choosing what kind of person like you are, what kind of like I'm, I'm working on right now, building our brand. And it's all about like, your like, what do you want your brand to be? So it's the same thing with that Simon Sinek says, and um, it starts with why, like it starts with why any of your businesses, if you want to start rental business, if you want to start short-term rentals, uh, wholesaling, flipping, multifamily, just, you still have to have values. And then how are those values going to go forward in your brand? Yeah. So my brand is called, yeah, you're here. <laughs> and that's hundred percent me. Like once I really, really got into it, it's going through like 10 different names and I'm like, Oh my God. And then I was like, I kept asking people. And I'm like, I need to stop asking so many people because this is the one that makes me the most happy. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're here. That's a hundred percent how I feel is like, Oh my God, this is amazing. You're here. So like, it's then, you know, how do you offshoot that and build it into a brand that people want to come to and hang out with you. And on the flip side in your flipping business, like, do you want to be the cool person that has the big Christmas party for all of your vendor partners? Because you're just celebrating how much money you guys made together. Like that's a brand as well. Like yeah. there's just, there's different ways to do everything. And I think it's being intentional with how you look at it. I love it. <clears throat> how are you financing these houses, these short-term rentals? Cause you said you like bigger houses. So how, how are you, I know, I, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of different strategies for buying houses and people do different, obviously. But what do you do for the, because the, these are, I mean, these short-term rentals, like any rental, it's a business and there's economics and they have to make sense. And yeah, you can go to Hardway Lender and spend 12%, but that doesn't necessarily make a great short, like a long-term financing option. You can't do that. So how are you financing these guys? Um, banks and other people's money. So okay. I've always been a fan of that. Um, so like I have talked about, like we have four properties that we have kept. One of them is a seller carry back. So, you know, we found it off market. The dude didn't want to pay taxes on a certain amount of money, yeah. which was a hundred thousand dollars, which isn't that much, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. So in the, in the scheme of this, it doesn't, it's, it's not that much money. Sorry. I right. don't mean to say that a hundred thousand isn't much. You're a baller. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely not true. <laughs> I would love if somebody would just give me a check. Mike Simmons, you can sign it. Nice. $100,000 to Tanya for being wonderful. <laughs> no problem. Um, it's in the way. It's on the way. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, um, so I've got one that's owner finance, and then we actually have a uh, private money loan on that for, I think it's uh, for a year. We'll probably have to refinance or like get another loan on it too. Mm-hmm. Um, so they paid for the, um, the repairs and then the furniture, and then it was maybe $10,000 out of my pocket. So we've got that situation. We have another one that we just refinanced and uh, we have somebody else's money in that as well. So bank has the main loan and then um, somebody else has like a seller carry back or um, just a private money loan. So we'll pay that off as well. And then our big one is our money. And then we got it off market. We refinanced. Um, I have yet to do a successful burr and it's mainly because I've never really tried to do one. Um, I suppose if I put my mind to it, I could, (laughs) but we do have money, like our money is in some of these properties. And then we'll like the next few, uh, we're probably going to buy some big ones this year, like, you know, $600,000, $800,000 houses. Um, and they'll yield a certain amount of money back. So we'll partner with people on those. So, you know, if gotcha. I have to bring a two or $300,000 down payment, I've got partners that already believe in me <laughs> and then I can show them my numbers as well. So yeah. they don't just believe in me, but yeah. they have to believe in the house too. Uh, they, but they believe in the abilities that I have for it to make money. And then we'll just uh, split it or I'll take a management fee out of it. And then they get some of the equity or they get half the equity, which okay. I'm totally cool with because I'm chasing cash flow right now. Yeah. I think in five or 10 years, I'll be chasing equity more, but not yet. So if you're chasing cash flow, why not do arbitrage? Why not just rent out houses and not have that big so thing. I am trying. I okay. actually just uh, contacted some landlords yesterday. Oh, nice. So I know that we we have a friend in common that does that. I think he's already amassed like 15 or 18 properties. Tyler, you're talking about Yes. In like nine or 10 months or less. And he's got all these properties. Um, So I'm taking a page from his book and I am, I've started to reach out to people. Um, It's a pretty specific area that I want my rentals in here in Minnesota. Um, So it's kind of slim pickings for MLS stuff for anything. So Mm. unless I want to start sending out mass mailings, which I might, um, I'm okay with actually trying out arbitrage and arbitrage for anybody that doesn't know just means that you're renting someone else's house or condo or whatever it is. You're upfront about it and tell them, Hey, I want to short-term rental this. We're going to take care of it a little bit more than normal people. Cause it's going to get cleaned anywhere from four to seven times a month because people are going through, you're going to know when something's broken, because if something's broken, we're going to have to fix it. We'll take care of a, B and C, you know, if like our guests break a window, we're going to take care of it. You might have to help us with the contractor. You know, you just kind of iron out those details, you furnish it, and then you just make sure that you have a license and then you're yeah. good to go. Love it. Yeah. Um, so you kind of answered my next question, I think, but are you're you're in the Twin Cities. Are, do you have any aspirations of buying these around the country in destination locations or anything like that? What a great question. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm mainly, a pro with this. <laughs> yeah, I guess. It was an experience uh, to start real estate. <laughs> just held ago, up my picture on the mic flag again for those of you listening. <laughs> so much experience. So um, this is a very interesting one that I've come to a, like a new realization in the last like four months, probably. Um, I was really, really chasing going to a different market and I really wanted it. And then someone 
wiser than me or just wiser at the moment than me had <laughs> said and pointed out, you know, I know that you have the experience as a short-term rental owner or, you know, like a host, all that stuff, but you're still starting a new business. And I think that is some of the best advice now I start to give is just saying like, hey, it's awesome that you want multiple markets, but you're going to get, um, there's better efficiencies when you have more in one spot. So my plan is to do pods. Like I want anywhere from five, like three to seven, I guess. I know that's a pretty big number too, but um, three to seven in each market. And it's because like, you need a good cleaning team. You need yeah. people that you can rely on. So it's just like flipping and wholesaling, like, or any other business. Like every time you go somewhere, it's okay. You don't have to be there. You can totally make systems, but you have to make the systems. You have to make, like, you have to find the contractors still. I know people will say, Hey, it's easy. Come over here. You know, the Smoky Mountains, there's tons of properties here. Well, there's tons of properties there and everybody's Airbnb and you are still going to make money. It's going to be fine, but you still have to build your team. Like I know that yeah. person has their team and you can hit, you can take some of their team, but you're not going to take all of them. Right. So every time you start in a new market, like I don't know any markets better than the Minneapolis Twin Cities or Minneapolis St. Paul. Yeah. So I do intend like once we get to our five, which, so we need like one or two more, um, because we do have some midterm rentals too. <laughs> okay. So um, once we get to the five like short-term rental Airbnbs here in the Twin Cities, I'm going to decide if I'm going to just go up north. So like two or three hours north of the Twin Someplace Cities. Someplace colder. That, that makes sense for you? Even colder. Yes. But <laughs> oh my gosh, so much more beautiful. <laughs> because in Minnesota, everybody goes up north to to actually just vacation like yeah. in the summer. They do in Michigan too. Warm. Same thing. Everyone goes yeah. up north. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to decide because to me that like, yes, it's the same state, but it's not the same market. It wouldn't be the same people that are coming. Sure. And then uh, we've also been looking in the Gulf Shores. Like I haven't put any offers in, but I do have some lists that come to me pretty regularly. Yeah. So we might do Gulf Shores. I would love to have a place that's warmer. So then our next pod might be Florida, could be Alabama, could be Nashville. I don't know. Now I understand but, why I understand the pod concept because it's efficiency, right? Economy of scale and all that. But is it, do you feel like in like where you are now in the Twin Cities, why not have 30 of them? Is it like saturation? Is that what you're concerned about? Or you just want the diversity? Um, I would say both. So um, it, there will be saturation. There's actually like the most important thing when you're going to start in short-term rentals is to find the city that you really want to be in or find the five cities you really want to be in and then start Googling what the short-term rental restrictions are. Mm -hmm. Because some people get really excited about, oh my God, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have one in Nashville. Well, there's only like a couple places in Nashville you can actually have a short-term rental. So um, the Twin Cities are kind of the same. Like St. Paul, they don't have any restrictions right now. You do have to have a short-term rental license, but Minneapolis, you're only allowed to have one. And then um, Falcon Heights, which is right next to the state fair in Minnesota, which is a big thing. Yeah. They have zero. They don't, they, you, you just have to have a rental license. It doesn't matter if it's long-term or mid-term or short. Oh, okay. So um, you have to care about things like that. So the saturation or essentially, I guess I, I see it as a risk. Like if you're going to have 30 of these eggs in one basket, if they're long-term rentals, those are low risk anyways. Like I don't consider that like short-term rental is a riskier business. Mm -hmm. um, you have to have a good threshold, but I would think like, I know guys that like, they're just enacting the the one short-term rental rule now, like in Minneapolis, they, you know, set it last year or they set the law or whatever it is. And now um, like these people have to shut all of them. Like they might have to shut 10 of them down. So, so that, they're not being me, grandfathered in like they, when you had those rules are not grandfathered. No, out? they got grandfathered in for the last year and a half while they were shutting them down or switching Ooh, them over please. to midterm. Cause you can still do them as furnished rentals. They just have to be 30 days plus, 
which, which can totally happen, but I find it to be risky. If you're in a mid, if you're in like a city market like this, like there's a mid market, there's also vacation rental markets like the Smoky Mountains, like Destin, Florida, like those kinds of ones that literally their cities only function because they get so much money from vacation rental yeah. taxes. Yeah. And like that's so, so it depends on where you're going. Cause then there's also like, tiny town markets. We have friends that like have 10 or 15 of them in these tiny little markets. And they do really well for people that are traveling through town for work and stuff like that. So it just kind of depends. Like there's so many layers to Airbnb that, and if I had 30 of them, I don't know if I would do as good of a job. Like, I don't really want, I realized through my last three years of journey, that I don't really want a big team because I don't feel like I can stick with it long enough for me to be successful enough that, you know, like I'm not going to have 10 or 20 employees. It's just not my thing. So on 30 properties, that's, that's a team. Like that is a hundred, like you can't, you know, 10, 10 properties having all those conversations with guests and making sure that security codes are ready. And, and most of the time, all of this is like, you can put it into a program and all of it does it for you, but it doesn't matter. Someone still has to have their foot on the gas, I, mean, yeah, I guess. Right. So Hands on the properties. wheel, I think is what you're looking for. Got it. <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> I couldn't help it. Oh, okay. Fine. Next time I'm going to lob one right back. Somebody has to have their hands on the wheel or foot on the gas, whatever. Foot on the gas still. Uh, you want okay. the foot on the gas, but if you're not holding the wheel, that's good. Your assistant crash. told me that we would digress. <laughs> In an email. Because <laughs> she has to listen to these things so she knows oh, where they can girl. go. Sorry, Angela. Um, uh, but yeah, so that many in one market is a little like that just doesn't, it's just not part of my like yeah. lifestyle choices. I know. I guess, I, I'm understand. thinking, and this could totally change because by the way, I'm getting into short-term rentals. I can only say that on so many podcasts before I got to start buying them because it sounds ridiculous. Yeah. Just start, um, Mike. Just start. No, I am. Actually, I drove, I think I, told, I don't know if I told you or told the last person I talked to, I drove three hours yesterday one way to look at a house that we had an accepted offer on, but I need. I wanted to see the inspection. I wanted to be there when they did the inspection because there were some floors that weren't level. And uh, anyways, I don't think I'm going to end up buying it, but uh, I'm moving forward. I'm, I, if I, if me, if I'll drive three hours one way to see a house, that represents- You're actually ex- determined. That's I know, extreme determination. Don't. I know because you don't give up time like that. No, I don't have patience for that kind of crap. Yeah, I know. You are you're more smart with your time than an average person. And (laughs) it's made like this, you're like selfish. You're like, I'm uh, not doing that crap. Oh, we were so close to a compliment. Anyways, oh, that's no, you are. Well, that was a double. It was just a double edge. That was a backhanded compliment. That's what they call <laughs> yeah. a backhanded compliment. Yes, that is. You're that was, welcome. That's great. Well, you have your hands on the wheel, so that's good. Um. All right. Listen, we're gonna end this. This was awesome, though. Honestly, Tanya. I, yes. If you haven't yet, oh boy, that that mic flag. I it's sent so it to you. I think there's part of me that wants to be tortured because if I just threw it away, it would never come uh. to light again. But giving it to you as a gift, so I knew sad. meant more to you than it meant to me to miles, throw it away. Miles and miles I've gotten out of this. Like anybody from the group that knows you, which is yeah. everybody in the group yeah. that comes to my house, which people do because I host girls weekends because I told you I love them. Yep. And everybody gets to see this. And I'm like, guess what I got from Mike Simmons? <laughs> Look at this. Yeah, that's a completely <laughs> unique gift. That is you. That's a one of a kind. Oh, you can't get anywhere so else. So good. Just so good. Well, I normally ask what's what's next, but I know what's next. You want to get 20 of these short-term rentals and make 15 to 25 huge window, 15 to $25,000 a month. Well, it's because goal one is actually 15 and then goal two is 25. Like I'm trying to build the first step and the first step is 
15,000. All right. <laughs> That's the reason there's a big, is a big jump. <laughs> That's perfect. I think it's great. I mean, honestly, I think most to be like in all seriousness, I've talked to a lot of people in the group about like passive income and what do they want? 20,000 feels like about the average where people feel like if I make $20,000 in passive income, I'm I'm good. Like I'm I'm okay at that point, right? So, mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm 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 there too. Um, it's a good lifestyle. Yeah, it's not a bad lifestyle. It's pretty good, actually. <laughs> it's really not. And really, once you get into real estate and you throw those numbers around, like if you say that to just a normal person back home, yeah. I, yeah, I know when you you're good the same because you used to work at the plant and you know you tell a person that well, yeah, my goal is like fifteen thousand dollars a month in passive income, and they just like look at you like what in the ever loving are you talking about? That's not a thing. Yeah. But in our world, it's like, oh yeah, that's not much. Like we yeah. think about some of the guys that we all chase. Well, Simmons, you're actually one of them. I know that people chase. It's like, yeah, I want Simmons money or I want like Trujillo money or Bill yeah. Allen money. Like, yeah. I mean, really you can have these big goals and, but once you get to them, like, I don't know, I just see it as like, that's a lot of work. I'm a lot lazier than the average human. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great place to end it. Um, <laughs> I love that. That's a great soundbite. I am a lot more lazy than the average human. I am. Like, well, I guess not the average human, the average investor. I I am. I'm pretty lazy. Like, you I know don't what, though? Honestly, seriously, I, this is going to be where I help you. Most investors I know really want free time. Like, they, they do work hard, but honestly, they they most of them try to create systems and processes so they can get out of it. Like, I'm not spending 15, 20, 30 hours a week in my real estate business, like an hour-ish maybe, right? Like that's it. So I'm lazy too. Like I would much rather be watching, you know, I just started watching a a series on HBO Max called Succession. By the way, if oh my you, god! You know about it? Yes, of okay. course. Yeah, you it's, would. I knew you would like. Oh, that. it's yeah. so good. <laughs> so when I say I just started, we're like on season three, but I mean we just started like a month ago or something. But we watch it every night, right? Like I would sometimes. I probably would rather just be watching that with Nanette than, yeah. you know, like grinding out some deal. But, but I know I, think- I got to grind out those deals once in a while and do big things so that I can have that free time. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people do talk about the grind and how much they want to do all this stuff. And there's two things about that is one, like TV isn't the enemy. TV actually helps me like come down because there's so many things going through our heads all the time. Don't freaking feel bad. If you want to watch two hours of television a night, I don't care what podcaster you're listening to, who you're following (laughs) on Instagram or Facebook. Not, not like, I mean, literally so many podcasters will tell you, you know, don't watch Dancing with the Stars. Well, if you really freaking want to, go watch it. Who cares? You want to go to the bar with your friends on the weekends? It's okay. Yeah. But it's just about that. Like, it's it's creating, you're right. Like, you kind of, I don't like to use the word grind, but you you work hard for a little bit and you yeah. could do these little, just, like, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And then the other thing is um, actually getting to there. Like, I think I talked to a couple of the guys not too long ago. Like, I, I have accountability groups. I have a couple of them. So I talk to guys that are really successful, like, every single Tuesday. And we talk about, like, when is enough? Like, yeah. nobody decides when, when is enough. So if you have that $15,000, $25,000 goal, what are you going to do when you get to that? Like, then you just have to keep it. Do you really want to start making 30, 40, 50? And it's great if you do, if you're that kind of hustler, but it's okay if you don't. Like, you can have a lifestyle business, but you also have to like be in tune with the fact like, oh, I made it. It's okay to like slow down for a year, go travel, do whatever. And then, and then 
open up another business or, you know, add to it. Yep. But it's just, I think a lot of people like strive for this thing, but they're more addicted to the work. Yep. And I like the work, but I don't like it that much. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I, I, hundred so, yeah. percent. That's a great, that's a great place to end it because that was awesome. Sorry. Actually. No, no, seriously. That was awesome. I, <laughs> I was actually going to pick on you, but you kept talking. And the more you talked, I thought this is really great. I'm not going to ruin it Sorry. by saying something <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Uh, listen, I, Tanya, I, seriously, we could, we have talked for hours, so I could talk to you a lot longer than this. I love, <laughs> I enjoy you so much, and I'm sad that I'm not going to see you as often. Um, but if I ever have a girls weekend in the Twin Cities, I will absolutely <laughs> look you up. Um, oh, don't don't you dare think that I'm not going to come and stalk you in the net at some point. Oh, you should definitely I do like it. the food in Detroit. I don't know if anybody else does, but I do. So I'll <laughs> you come love and visit Greek at town. some point. You, you were in Greek Town. I do. You loved the sightseeing in Greek Town. Oh, I just love it down there. And it was all the first time I met you in real life. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And wait. You had interesting things to say about my precious hometown, right? When we were there. <laughs> it's a little dumpy, but you know, I really like Greek Town. <laughs> no, I, it is. I'd love no to argue with you, great. but it's, it no was a, it was a great things show. about Detroit. It's such a bummer. Yeah, I know. That's all right. Someday Dan Gilbert is building us back up. So someday we'll be, we'll be the you're twin cities of the Midwest. Some, no, you're going to probably move somewhere warm by then. I know probably <laughs> so. I, we were just in West Palm beach, um, celebrating Nanette's birthday. And, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, why, why don't darn we those kids? If we didn't have kids, we would be moving immediately. Uh, uh, you know, okay. So then your next goal is how much is it going to, how much money am I going to have to spend to go back to Michigan three totally. times a month, all every month? 100%. Of the year. Yeah, 100%. And then there yep. you go. There's maybe your fun maybe we just buy something in Florida. We don't tell our kids we moved because we just have enough money to fly back three times a month and come Ooh. over like, eh, hey, we're just in the area. We swing by. I want to see what you guys are up to. This is going to work, um, but only if you can keep your skin as pasty white as it is, because <laughs> Nanette's always tan. Her skin always looks um, good. I like, like to think tan. of it as like beautiful porcelain, not pasty white. Um, yours, yes. So if, as long as you stay beautiful porcelain, pasty white, yeah. you will be successful at that We point. look like half of an Oreo cookie standing next to each other. When she's tan, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. Oh. In in pictures, oh. we look so silly next to each other. She has like this oh. beautiful tropical but, tan, yeah. and I cannot tan. You guys just love each other so much, though. It's so cute. She's awesome. I they, there's a saying nice that I heard a few you. years ago that I thought was awesome. When my dispo guy uh, met my wife after she left, he goes, "Dude, you outkicked your coverage." I was like, "That is <laughs> the coolest." <laughs> I love that. <laughs> And it is true, but if you ever say that to Nanette, she'll like completely no. He, she'll tell you why she will. She's literally told me why you're amazing. So it's really cool that you have that as a partner because you will say a comment like that, and then she'll like if someone were to say that to her face, she'd be like, "Oh my gosh, are you kidding? He's so nice," and she'll she'll like spew things about you. So clearly, you found somebody that loves the shit out of you, and you the same with her because she's delightful. She's awesome. She she is way too good for me. Anybody who spends five True. minutes with either one of us will go 100%. Uh, you outdid it, dude. You're nice and all, but you don't deserve that. All I right. don't know. I, I disagree with the deserve, but I, you, <laughs> it is surprising that you have that. <laughs> it is kind of, right? I know uh, it is. All right. This is di- this is really yes. starting keep to going. get Sorry. You gotta, you gotta stupid. Stop but anyways, I'm very lucky and you are awesome. <laughs> Thank you for doing this, Tanya. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks. All right. We'll do this again at some point when you have more material on me. (laughs) I could go for days. I know you could. (laughs) 
we'll, we'll have some, we'll, maybe we'll do like some outtakes or something. <laughs> oh, I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell Matt I said hi and we'll, we'll see you soon, hopefully. Okay. Later, Simmons. All right. Bye. All right. Obviously, Tanya and I know each other pretty well, and uh, we we go for hours like that and at meetups and things that we've we've been at uh, over the last few years. And uh, we have a great time. She's a really smart investor, and that's why I wanted to have Ron first and foremost. But she's also a lot of fun. Great personality. Great person. Really good friend of mine. And I knew that she would be fun to interview. So hopefully, it wasn't annoying, and you were able to have fun with us. Um, but in between all. That goofing around, I think she gave some great tips and some great uh, thoughts about your business and how you grow it and what's important to you and how you pursue that and you know maybe not just chasing other people's dreams and focusing on your own and that's kind of the takeaway uh, that I had for all that. So I had a blast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, get out there and get started. You can always pivot. She started off flipping houses and realized at some point she wanted to go a different direction and that is awesome. That's just the way business and life works, right? It rarely do we start some journey or start something and it ends exactly the way we envisioned it. Usually there's twists and turns and we make adjustments. That is life. That is business. Go out there and start so that you can make adjustments when you see that something has changed in your priorities or the way you look at things or you just have a different outlook on stuff. You can make those changes, but you can't make a change if you haven't even gotten started. Get out there and get started now so you can make those changes and arrive at the destination that you really want. All right, we'll talk to you next time.